Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, March 2nd, 2023 on Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, an impromptu old school recording for us today, so it's nice to to hear your voice. Um, We're going to be doing another one of these next week for more celebratory reasons. Uh, We will get into that uh, on next week's Thursday episode, but that is always fun. That I, something that's fun that I look forward to every year. Uh, something else that I'm also looking forward to, our good friend at the nation's capital, Deb Schrager, helped me secure a ticket to Spamalot nice. at Kennedy Center coming up in May. On Wednesday, they were only available to Kennedy Center, Center members. Fortunately, Deb is a member and she got tickets for herself and helped me secure one as well. So I will be, I think, probably taking a train from New York to D.C. early on May 20th and then figuring out how to fly out of Washington, D.C. instead of New York. So still got some planning to go, but very excited that I'm going to get a chance to see that incredible cast and uh, appreciate Deb hooking me up with uh, with uh, the opportunity to get that before they went on sale regularly. Got a ticket in like row E, I think it was, or G or something like that. So very excited for my first trip to the Kennedy Center. Never been there before. So uh, very much looking forward to that in a couple months. That's awesome. I, that's great that Deb, you, Deb hooked you up there. Kennedy Center, you can get lost there. Follow the uh, paint on the ground to, to the right that's- theater. That's my thing. Like, I get very nervous about going because I travel alone most of the time. So, I, mm-hmm. going anywhere that's not New York, basically, I get worried about just getting lost. Like, that's why, like, I yeah, I haven't gone to London. If I go, if I go to London, I'm, I have to go with somebody else because I would just have no idea where I'm going if I go by myself. So, uh, I'm not as adventurous when all of that stuff comes. So, I, if anybody happens to be going to Washington D.C. to see the show on that day, let me know and maybe I can tag along so I don't end up, you know, in Bethesda or something like okay. that. <laughs> we'll see. Um, if you want to uh, help me figure out how to do that, a place that you can send us messages. This is a horrible transition. Is Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. <laughs> BroadwayRadio.com slash Patreon. Now, James, the first story today is going to be different whether you are listening in Patreon, the aforementioned Patreon, or in the regular feed. If you are listening to this in Patreon, depending on when you are listening to it, there is or will be another episode coming up at 9 a.m. on Thursday morning. So if you're listening to this, Before that, wait until then. If you're listening to this afterwards, jump back in and listen to that episode next because you are going to want to hear that. If you're listening to this in the regular feed, let's get into this first story. And this is one that I guess we probably could have figured out because of the news that Ramin Karimloo is going to be heading over to Italy to play the Phantom of the Opera in the production, getting ready to come up later this year over in uh, the boot country in, in my in our homeland, James. But mm. it was announced yesterday. No, I'm sorry, today, uh, on Thursday uh, at 9 a.m., which is why we have to separate these episodes, that the current Broadway revival of Funny Girl will close up shop on Sunday, September 3rd. That is when Leah Michelle, Ramin Karimloo, Jared Grimes, and Tova Feldshu will all end their runs there. They've all extended their, their previously planned times in the show to run through September 3rd. Um, the announcement comes at 9 a.m. and that is when tickets are available. So if you are hearing this, you have the opportunity to get your tickets all the way through September 3rd, but that will be the final performance of that one. That will mark uh, a year for Leah Michelle 
uh, and about a year for Tova Feldshu. I'm I'm a little interested in in this, James, because this is something that probably could have run for a while with Leah yeah. Michelle longer, but I don't know if maybe she's getting back into the good graces of people. And now maybe she's having more opportunities to do something or just like a lot of Broadway folks say one year in one role is, is enough. But um, this show has been doing very well ever since Leah took over. And if you would have told me that this thing would be running for effectively a year and a half, when we were seeing the box office with Beanie in the role, I wouldn't have believed you, but obviously Leah Michelle has been box office magic for funny girl and has really re-solidified herself as a star when it comes to musical theater, when I think a lot of people had kind of written her off as never being somebody who could pull that kind uh, of popular interest again, if she ever really did on her own, which she never really carried a show by herself, despite the fact that Spring Awakening was obviously a pretty big hit. So what do you think about this closing up in September and not trying to either continue you know, with Leah, get Leah to do it again, or, you know, bring in another cast of potentially someone uh, as equally exciting. I'm shocked about it because the grosses are so good. And while uh, Leah Michelle has a lot to do with that, certainly there are uh, 50, if not more uh, talented people who can fill that role uh, just in the New York City area alone. And I haven't seen a recoupment email. Have you seen a recoup email for I Funny haven't. Girl? I haven't. But you know what? They really have stopped doing that. And that might be because there haven't been a lot of recruitments. But even before the pandemic, we weren't getting those very much, even though it seemed pretty obvious that a lot of things were. So I, I'm not sure. Well, we're getting I, up. Yeah, yeah, you should put, put everything on hold right now. Call Oliver Henry Roth and have him do back of the napkin math here. See if All they've right. recouped. Because, you know, I'd imagine with the way the grosses are going for them that they're going to be very close to recoupment, if not have already recouped, uh, you know, I guess coming up here in the spring. Uh, so, you know, it, it's interesting to me. I, I'm sure that they wouldn't make an, a closing announcement if they weren't close to recouping, I think that the investors would be upset saying, hey, this is doing pretty good numbers and you're closing before we recoup. So I don't know. Maybe we'll do it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm a little surprised um, as well. It, it, and maybe it's because they are announcing it so far in advance. They feel very good um, about the opportunity for this to recoup and to make its money back. But um, and as far as I know, they they, they haven't announced that. That's for sure. Odd to not extend through the fall and holiday season to squeeze out all that money out of it, but you know, who knows? Who knows? That that could be in the offing. You know, we have yeah. to. Unless, have you got the real estate spreadsheets? Anybody circling to come in? I mean, there's everybody. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot yeah. of things circling to come in. But I, I will say, let me. I can pull it up here. Um, the August Wilson Theater is where it's currently playing. Um, that is a a house that is on the bigger side, but not huge. It's a, it's a 1200 seat theater. Mm -hmm. So that's not something you want to put a play in normally, but yeah. it's also not, you know, uh, the Gershwin or the Lunt Fontaine or the marquee where it's like, mm -hmm. you know, 15, 1600 seats. So this could be something where, you know, there are uh, any number of musicals that could come into that space. So I think something like, um, let's see what we've got coming in. You know, the Wiz could be looking for a place to go. Merrily We Roll Along could be looking for a place to go. Limpica, The Notebook, um, Chess even could be looking at a place uh, to go there. So I think there's a lot of really good options that 
would probably do really well at the August Wilson. I wouldn't mind seeing something like the Wiz there, um, or even the Notebook. So I, we'll we'll see. I, that's a that's a good idea. Maybe there is uh, some pressure on, uh, I guess, Jude Jamson slash uh, Ambassador Theater Group, who will be operating that theater at some point. I'm not sure when that will actually be approved and go through. Um, but it is a Jamson house. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I'm not sure what Jordan is in on in any of those shows. Uh, but I'm sure it'll be something I uh, is he on is he in on merrily that that might mm. be that might be interesting. So we'll see. We will definitely see what happens. Wow. All right. What's up next? All right. So this might be the first story you're hearing, uh, depending on which feed you were listening to this in. But it is a pretty big one and probably a story that got just as much press outside of the theater world as it did in the theater world. This is something that I talked about briefly at the end of the episode on uh, on Wednesday morning. But yesterday it was made official that a new play set in the world of Stranger Things will make its debut in London later this year. It is an original story. It'll be called Stranger Things colon The First Shadow, and it will premiere late in 2023 at the Phoenix Theater in London's West End. It is being written um, by uh, Jack Thorne, who does a lot of these adaptations, and Kate Treffrey. Kate is a writer and executive producer on the TV show, and it comes from a story that was originally kind of sketched out by the Duffer brothers who created the TV show and show run uh, that as well. As we mentioned yesterday, Stephen Daldry will produce along with Sonia Friedman, and, he, and Daldry will direct with co-direction by Justin Martin. Netflix, of course, is also producing as well. Um, it is set in Hawkins, Indiana, the setting for the TV show. But in 1959, a few decades before the TV show is set. So the press description reads thusly, Hawkins, 1959, a regular town in regular worries. Young Jim Harper's car. Jim Harper is the sheriff played by David Harper in the show. Um, his car won't start. Bob Newby's sister won't take his radio show seriously. And Joyce Maldonado, who's the character played by Winona Ryder, just wants to graduate and get the hell out of town. When new student Henry Creel arrives, his family finds that a fresh start isn't so easy, and the shadows of the past have a very long reach. The Duffer brothers, Matt and Ross, said in a statement, quote, We are beyond excited about Stranger Things, The First Shadow. Collaborating with the brilliant Stephen Daudry has been nothing short of inspiring, and Kate Treffy has written a play that is in turn surprising, scary, and heartfelt. You will meet endearing new characters as well as very familiar ones on a journey into the past that sets the groundwork for the future of Stranger Things. Um, I watched the first season of Stranger Things, James. Jennifer McHugh and I... Uh, in our year end some like a pop episode last year, she gave me the resolution to catch up because she said season four was one of the best seasons of television she's ever seen. So assuming that this will be in New York sooner rather than later, which I think is probably a pretty safe bet considering AKA is the uh, marketing agency behind it, which is they have offices in both London and New York. But I imagine you get an ad agency that has offices in London and New York because you want it to play in both London and New York. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I probably should do that catch up sooner rather than later. This will be opening again, like I said, in London later this year, which would mean, in my opinion, it'll be in, uh, you know, be on Broadway at some point in 2024. So the, the Stranger Things is really, really huge. Um, mm -hmm. And it's interesting that we're bringing television properties uh to uh to broadway these days 
Um, do you think that there are other television properties that could, uh, you know, from your uh, work over streamable that uh, are streaming these days that could uh, come our way? Well, we've seen musicals like, you know, I'm not talking about the, the parody musicals that we see off Broadway, yeah, yeah. but we've mm-hmm. seen musicals of like the Lord of the Rings, um, mm-hmm. which is obviously books and then movies. Um, but what I think is 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 interesting about what we're seeing, because we're going to talk about the Back to the Future musical next. What I think is interesting is that when we see this and when we saw Harry Potter, um, there is this move to not just do adaptations of the material as is. Uh, and with these new stories that build into the franchisization of, of some of our most popular intellectual properties. And I think that really lends itself to TV. People are used to seeing, you know, new seasons of television. They're used to seeing, um, you know, continuations of the same stories decades later, like with night court that's currently airing on NBC. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, not this it's not a reboot although it's essentially a reboot but it's some of the legacy characters and people who have connections so i think that really makes a lot of sense to bring tv over if i'm thinking about theater that would work as plays not musical adaptations of existing but like continuations i would think something like hmm i wouldn't mind it has to be something that has a long you know legacy something yeah please go ahead i was going to say sopranos that's the first thing that came to my mind what were you going to say Yellowstone. Oh God. I don't, I don't know that those demographics overlap very well. Um, and unless, but I mean, Yellowstone is, is really one of the biggest television shows it's out the, there right now. The yeah. biggest television show. Yeah. It's huge. We write about it all the time. Um, mainly because it's a mess and Kevin Costner is really screwing things up for everybody, but it's also yeah. a very interesting thing because it airs on Paramount network which is a cable network, but it doesn't stream on Paramount Plus because of an existing licensing deal that happened before Paramount Plus existed. So it streams on Peacock, which is a big deal. It's very confusing. Um, but the, yeah, the fact that they're doing they're doing Yellowstone in all different you know all different time periods. Yeah, they've got they've got two prequel series, uh, eighteen eighty three and nineteen twenty three. There will be another one that's a spinoff, actually a spinoff of the prequel series, eighteen eighty three, called Bass Reeves. That'll be coming out. That will star David uh, Oyelowo. So yeah, they kind of expand like we're talking about these new stories. Um, it yeah. is being turned into Taylor Sheridan is the creator of Yellowstone, and he basically writes and directs everything for uh for, for his shows. They call it the the Sheridan verse. So it is very similar to like the idea behind the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where everything is interconnected in some way or another. And that's kind of what I feel like with Cursed Child, with this new Stranger Things play. Yeah. It's saving a lot of, you know, the, the things that people love about the originals, but bringing something new to it. So, uh, look, I don't know that the demographics for the people who watch Yellowstone are necessarily people that are going to be paying 150 bucks to see a Broadway play. Mm-hmm. But the way that that is set up, you are definitely right. It definitely lends itself to something that could happen. Um and who knows, maybe maybe there will be some people from middle of America that want to come to come to Broadway for the first time because Taylor Sheridan has written a, a Broadway play about Yellowstone. All right, let's go back in time. OK, well, we're going back in time, but also looking to the future because Back to the Future, the musical has announced it's Marty McFly. And it's somebody who has quite a bit of history on Broadway, at least a little bit of history recently with looking to the past and with movie musical adaptations joining the previously announced Tony winner, Roger Bart and the Olivier award nominee, Hugh Coles will be the erstwhile star of almost famous Casey likes. He was officially announced to be playing Marty McFly on Broadway uh, on 
Wednesday morning on ABC's Good Morning America when he emerged from a DeLorean live on TV, which mm-hmm. is absolutely perfect. Um, he will be joining Bart, who is playing Doc Brown, and Hugh Coles, who is playing uh, Marty's father, George McFly. They are both reprising their acclaimed roles from the original West End production. The show will begin performances on June 30th at the Winter Garden Theater. Additional casting will be announced at a later date. Opening will happen on August 3rd. This is just another one, James. We've been talking about this since the inception of Today on Broadway. Casey Likes really first made his first big splash as a finalist at the 2019 Jimmy Awards. So just (laughs) another Jimmy Awards success story coming to Broadway very quickly. And as we said, eventually... Everybody on Broadway is going to be a Jimmy Awards finalist because that's just the way these things are going these days. <laughs> and then uh, we have the new groups, the Seagull and Wood- Woodstock, New York. Yeah, we got the reviews in for this show, which officially opened on uh, on Tuesday night. As we've talked about before, this is a new play adapted from Anton Chekhov's The Seagull. It is adapted by Thomas Bradshaw and directed by Scott Elliott. It is currently on sale now. And the... Uh, the shows will be running as of now through April 9th. No word necessarily about whether there will be an extension or not. Based on the reviews, they were a little mixed. So um, we'll get into those here in a second, but I do just want to talk about some of the creative team in here. We have David Kale uh, in the cast and as well as uh, Amy Stiller, Nat Wolf, Bill Sage. But the big headliner here is Parker Posey um, making a very rare New York theater performance, uh, which makes it just as exciting. But let's start with Jesse Green of The New York Times, who said, quote, I'm left to wonder whether a few moments of enhanced relevance are worth the bother of a comprehensive and often counterproductive update. Couldn't this cast have pulled off the standard edition and pulled it off more smoothly without the staging long jaws occasioned by the rough text in the stop and go direction? Eh, doesn't sound great. Frank Sheck said, quote, under the scattershot direction of Scott Elliott, the actors, many of whom are familiar, are all over the place. At times, you feel like they've just been introduced to each other. Some manage to find the humanity in their characters with Neff, Wolf, Kale, and Amy Steller ha- having their moments. And Posey is an absolute delight. Even if she feels miscast with her extensive comedic experience in Christopher Guest's films and many, many others, serving her well in her impeccably timed delivery of Irene's biting asides. Um, Going over to Jackson McHenry from Vulture, who was mixed, said, quote, what arises out of all of this is an unresolved tension between sending up the theater and revering it. Woodstock never strays too far from the seagull in plot or tone, poking at theatrical conventions, but never overthrowing them on the way to dutifully reenacting the beats of tragedy. For all Bradshaw's provocations and dialogue, I wonder if the plot could change a bit with the new era, too. So not great reviews here, James. Um, It seems like just seeing a production of Seagull with this cast would have been better than trying to reimagine it. But when you have someone like Parker Posey on stage in New York, it is definitely probably worth an opportunity to go check it out. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to some show and casting news. And James, I have to admit, I'm pretty disappointed in myself and Ashley as well. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that we were kind of trying to figure out who was going to be cast to play Regina George's mom in the movie adaptation of the Mean Girls musical. And we talked, hey, maybe it'll be, you know, Amy Poehler who did it in the in the original movie. Maybe she'll stick with it. But the person who they announced exclusively in Deadline yesterday should have been somebody at the top of our list. That is Busy Phillips, who has been a star of screens for years 
and most notably, at least recently, is one of the stars of Girls 5 Eva, which, of course, is a musical TV show that is executive produced by Tina Fey. So it really (laughs) should have been something at the top of my mind, and it wasn't. She is perfectly cast as the mother to Renee Rapp, who is playing Regina George. And really, she has quite a bit of history playing roles not dissimilar from some of the the ones we see in Mean Girls, having uh, gotten her start, at least in the mainstream, in Dawson's Creek a couple decades ago. So um, disappointed in myself, should have really, really probably should have figured out that Busy Phillips could have been a part of this. But uh, that's great casting and very, uh, very much looking forward to that. In other news, um, it was reported yesterday that the New York premiere of Rock and Roll Man, a new musical celebrating the life of legendary DJ Alan Freed, will star Constantine Maroulis when it opens up in June at New World Stages. Performance will begin on June 2nd with an official opening night on June 21st. Uh, Rock and Roll Man chronicles the remark- remarkable life of Alan Freed, the boundary-smashing disc jockey rebel who popularized the records that became the foundation of rock. It has an original score, but also includes such uh, genre-defining hits like Lucille, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, Tutti Frutti, Good Golly, Peggy Sue, Wake Up Little Susie, uh, and many, many more. So uh, this seems to be right up Constantine Maroulis' alley, and uh, I think it probably will do pretty well with some bridge and tunnel folks up at uh, at New World Stages to see to see this new show when it starts this summer. Um, A little bit more news here. MCC announced a final two-week extension due to popular demand of Soho Rep's Wolf Play, which is being done in collaboration with the Mayi Theater Company. This is a return engagement after it previously played off-Broadway, I believe, pre-pandemic at Soho Rep. So if you haven't had an opportunity to see that, it will now play through April 2nd. Uh, and then finally, the uh, Ma- Madagascar, the musical, yes, based on the DreamWorks <laughs> animated film, will launch a 12-week national tour going all over the place, uh, starting in Greeley, Colorado, hitting a lot of spots across the middle of the country, mostly for just one-day performances, one-night performances. Um, I'll have a link, obviously, to where you can get all of the times or the the, the theater dates uh, that'll be going on. But the reason I wanted to, to mention this is because, yes, this is a, you know, a very well-known movie uh, that lots of people uh, have seen for years. But it was written by somebody who is currently on Broadway, and that is Kevin DeLagula, who have appeared in Frozen and then is now playing the really rich guy in uh, Some Like a Hut on Broadway. So mm-hmm. he can do a, a little bit of everything. Very funny in that show wrote this musical that is getting ready to tour the country uh, and should be really exciting. That's great. Yep. All right. Let's wrap up the show with a recommendation. And we've been talking about the fact that the Japanese uh, stage adaptation of the hit anime film Spirited Away will be coming to movie theaters in the U.S. in April. There will be two different performance or two different screenings on April 23rd and 27th each with um, a different lead character. We now have an incredible trailer if you want to check that out. It is very, very inventive. And much like uh, the uh, My Neighbor Totoro, which is leading the way in the Olivia Lee nominees, it's very inventive, very fun. Seems like something that 
is is just kind of a magical experience. And even though it is in Japanese, it will be subtitled. So I'm imagining that, well, one, we know Grace will be there. But also, I think this will probably have a lot of interest from folks uh, across the country who grew up with that film. That is great. And uh, we, we're going to have to see if we can get uh, Grace to do some uh, special episodes here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know I know this is something that that she was very excited about when it was first announced, so I'm sure she will see it and share her thoughts coming up in April. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, everybody, that's all we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. James, where can people find you? People can find me on Facebook. Uh, (laughs) Is that it? Is that it these days? Not doing the Twitter thing and... I have an Instagram account. I don't really do that and things like that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Oh, you know what? I wanted to ask you. Do you stay up with The Last of Us? Oh yeah, every episode. Yeah. So you know, Pedro Pascal. He's, yes. Uh, singing on the last episode. He he wanted to be a singer. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, that that was two episodes ago. But yeah, yeah. Was that Tim? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They had the one. Uh, Spoiler alert, he wasn't in uh, this past week's episode very much because it was a flashback episode. But yeah, he said uh, rather than getting a sheep farm, he wanted, yeah. to, wanted to be a, uh, a singer. I, I'm all for it. Let's get Pedro Pascal in a musical on Broadway. That would certainly, certainly be a box office hit that people would want to come and see whatever the show is. So Pedro Pascal and Ramin Karamloo as the, <laughs> the revival of City of Angels. Oh, Stein and Stone. That's Angels. actually really good. Pedro being Stein, I would think maybe because I think Uh, you can play off the nerdy version a little Uh bit. Yeah, I think you can. I like it. Let's do it. It's about time. We're coming up on what? 35 years now for that show with no revival. Mm. I I think we need to. I think let's do it. Book it. Okay. Let's get Oliver to do it. All right. So my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us and someone will be back to wrap up tomorrow. You and Grace? Yep. Okay. Oh, and I have to tell you about the thing. 